Bibles with me and let's go to Genesis. Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis, the third chapter. And I hope and pray. How many started soaping? A few. That's good. That's a good start. Some of you are saying, what is soap? Well, that's when you get in the bath and you get that bar of ivory and you... No, soap is a Bible reading plan that I would encourage you to get involved in. You can see some of the, some of the, the layouts down here. You'll read through the Bible in a year. Kind of breaks it up a little bit and you read a little bit of the Old Testament, New Testament scriptures each day. But in that, you find a scripture, you look at the observation the application, and then you put a prayer, and you journal that. And some of you may say, well, I don't journal. Well, I didn't journal before, before I started this. But let me tell you, journaling is powerful. You'll write those things down, and don't just write them down, but go back and refer to them. And you'll discover God will speak to you if you'll listen to his voice. And there's something powerful about breaking the bread with the Lord every day. And when you open the book, you're looking for God to say something. You're not just reading for reading's sake. You're opening it up. You're saying, Lord, I'm looking for you today. What do you want to say? You might be amazed at what the Lord may reveal. And so let me encourage you to participate. If you've got your own Bible reading plan that you're engaged in regularly, let me encourage you to continue that. But last week, we began to talk about Clear Vision 2020. And we're beginning with the Word. The text we use was Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, night and day, day and night, that you may observe to do. We need the meditation. Now, meditation is not some mystic Eastern mysticism. Meditation began with God. Meditating is focusing and, and thinking about. And, a, and if you break down the words of it, you'll find that it's, it's a cow eating its cud. It's a chewing. It's a digesting of the Word of God. And if I'm thinking on the Word of God, I may give myself a break from my worries. Because I've occupied my, my thought life with things other than what's going on in the world. So let me encourage you. Meditation, recitation, application. We need to speak the Word of God in situations that we face. What does the Word tell me about where I am at and what I need to do? And then obey the Word. Obey the Word of God. And then the Word of the Lord tells us we will have good success. I don't know about you, but I want good success. And I'm not talking about wealth and riches and fame and fortune. I'm talking about bearing fruit and bringing glory to the Father. By abiding in the vine. Now we're going to take another step here pertaining to the word. And I want you to go back as we go back to the beginning. And there's three questions that we're going to look at that God asked Adam directly. We want to answer those questions today. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Ask for your grace. And let your word prevail in this house today. In Jesus' name. Now, we're at the third chapter, and here we begin reading in the, the first verse of the third chapter. Let's read down the ways. It said, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the 
of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and tree desirable to make one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I have commanded you? You should not eat. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave me. She gave me of the tree and I ate. Women. Get out. (laughs) Not the message. Not the message. We see in the word of the Lord that God poses questions. Now, the Lord never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He knows everything before we know anything. He already knows everything. But the Lord not only knows, he, he not only knows the answer to the question, but he has the answer to the question. So he asked three questions of Adam. Where are you? He knew where he was at. He knew exactly where he was at. But he's asking Adam, where are you? And I believe there's a question being posed today. As you continue your journey in this life, my prayer is that you find liberty. You find freedom. You understand that God knows where you're at. What's important is that you know where you're at. Because until we come to the knowledge of where we're at, we can't get to where we're going. Now, I've got, a, I've got a setting on my phone. It's a location. And if I want to pull up an address to get somewhere, the first thing, if I don't have it turned on, it'll ask me immediately, turn your location on your phone. Because I can't take you where you need to be unless I know where you're at. You can't make and navigate this life until you first off have your starting point. Some of you walked in here, you've been asking for breakthrough, you've been asking for miracles, you've been asking for signs and wonders, you've been asking God to do something, and what he is asking you is, where are you? He knows where you're at, but what's important is you need to know where you're at. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. 
We've got to become honest about where we're at. We've got to get honest about where we're located. Am I sitting in, my, in, in the pig pen of regret? Am I sitting in a, in a place overcome by sorrow and regret? Am I sitting in a place that I feel so overwhelmingly bound by the the self-destructive behavior that I'm involved in and I can't find any freedom? Where are you? The Lord knows where you're at. But for you to find freedom, you got to come to honesty. The word of the Lord tells us that sanctify them by your truth, Jesus speaking, John 17, 17. Sanctify them by truth. Your word is truth. The reason why many folks stay away from the word of God because the word is convicting. The Bible says that the word of the Lord is like a sharp two-edged sword. You ever notice the spelling of sword? Somebody spell that for me. S. Man, you guys are good. You get an A++ today. You passed the spelling test. Take the S off of sword and what do you have? But if you take the S and you put it to the word, then what do you have? You put the spirit with the word and the Bible calls the word of God the sword of God. And the reason the enemy wants to keep you out of the sword of God in the word of God is because you will destroy his works in your life because the son of man was manifest to destroy the works of the enemy. So those temptations, hesitations, those voices that tell you in the back of your mind, don't let your family see you reading the word. They're going to think you're some sort of freak. You don't want to see your, your co-workers see that you have the word of God because now they're going to require you to live up to that. And I don't know if I can handle that kind of pressure. And so you keep it well hidden to the point that, wait a minute, I'm too busy. I can't get around to it. I, I just don't do it. And next thing you know, there's no feeding of your mind, renewing of yourself in the word of God. And thus, there is no bringing myself under the authority and walking in the authority. Because I can go against the enemy with my fist, but let me tell you, when I pull out the supernatural sword of the word of God that's anointed by the spirit of God, the flaming sword that says you will not cross this line or you will lose a limb. It'll back the enemy up. Let me encourage you to get into the word of the Lord. Where are you is the question. Holy Spirit, please reveal to each of us where we are at. We need to know that moving forward. We need to know where we're at as a body of believers. My earnest prayer and my heartfelt desire since the moment I came into the kingdom of God is, Lord, I want to see revival. Revival is more than a series of meetings. A revival is more than just a, a, a coming in and a manifestation of, revi- of the Spirit of God. Let me tell you what true revival is. True revival is freedom. True revival is coming into the likeness and the image of the living God. But in order for revival to take place, in order for me to get closer to God, in the approach of God, there is a revealing of sin. 
And sin must be removed for us to rightfully declare that we are in revival. I do not want to see you continue bombarded and living in a state of fear and anxiety and sorrow. I want you to come to the knowledge of the reality that God has freed you from yourself. The enemy will have no control over a child of God that will walk in freedom. Where are you? Where are you? Lord, where are we as a body of believers? Lord, where are we as a nation? Lord, where are we? Let's come to the honest reality of who we are. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Can I walk with Jesus if I'm not willing to walk in truth? See, what happened to man and the reason the enemy tempted, he understood that disobedience gets you nowhere closer to God. It'll only push you further. He disobeyed in heaven. Angels have choice as well. Satan chose when he was Lucifer, the bright angel, the music leader in heaven. He was the one who had the instruments built inside of him, but he wanted the glory for himself. And in so doing, he swayed a third of the angels to follow after him. The Lord did not bother to get up from the throne, but he sent Michael the archangel and said, get him out. And he threw him, cast him down to earth. We see that the enemy is no match for God, nor for God's heavenly host. But what we see is the enemy knows that he knows if I could get humanity to disobey the known will of God, then I will have them. And in so doing, the end result was devastating. Where are you? There, Adam was hiding from the presence of God. Hiding from the presence of God. In the presence of God is fullness of joy. I want to hide from the fullness of joy. Then I'm not going to feel full if I'm not in the presence of the Lord. You people are too radical up in there. You like to run. I'd like to. I just can't. Let me say to you, I've got to get to the place where I don't want you to run. It makes me no difference if you run, you stand. I don't care if you fall out, if you, if you stand up, if you, if you just sit there. It makes me no difference. I'm not one to put a lot of emphasis on manifestation. What I want to see is are you becoming more like Christ when you get up from the fall? After you finish running, do you have the breath of God's Spirit in your heart? Are you acting more like Jesus every day? Do you find liberty in Him? Is your character bearing fruit? of God's spirit where are you he's hidden himself in the presence of God he's hidden himself in the presence of God each and every time that I minister to those who have fallen away from the Lord I will ask them this question are you reading the book are you in the Bible no why aren't you going to church Men love darkness rather than light. At least their deeds be made known. Because the word comes with conviction. The word is a sword. And it not just pierces to dividing asunder other souls and spirit. It divides mind. 
It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. It will tell me if my thoughts are right or my thoughts are wrong because it will bring me into alignment with the will and the word of God. And maybe I may journey on a path that's not pleasing to the Lord, but if I will stick with it long enough, God will bring me to the revelation of where I'm at and where I need to be. All I need to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep pursuing God every day and asking the Lord to enable me to understand where I'm at. Am I hiding from the presence of God? Now he asked him the question, where are you? Who told you were naked? He knew who told him. He knew the temptation. He knew all that would transpire and took place. Who told you you were naked? And she's hiding and now all of a sudden, here's Adam and he's gone and he's cut down fig leaves and he's covered himself and he's made his own garment. And he's, he's afraid. He's afraid because all of a sudden the glory of God lifted off of him and he understood his vulnerability. And in that vulnerability, he wanted to run and hide and he wanted to cover himself. Let me say to you, in our lower nature, in our lower nature, we hide through self-protection and we try to cover ourselves. Sometimes we cover ourselves with religious activities. Sometimes we cover ourselves with wealth and fame. Sometimes we cover ourselves with just an attitude. Sometimes uh, we cover ourselves just, uh, we, are, we are angry and mean because uh, if we will just reject that other person, we will not give them an opportunity to reject us. Naked, and they were afraid. It wasn't just a hit series on television. I know you've seen it. Why in the world people go out in the woods naked? <clears throat> Get some clothes on. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I told you to stay away from? See what happens in human nature, and you've got to know yourself. You've got to know where you're at. And if you find these symptoms, then you're not walking in the new man. You're walking in the old man. If I'm hiding, if I am afraid, fear is not, tormenting fear is not from God. There is a godly fear. It's the same word, the word fear is the same fear used in the, whether it's referring to tormenting fear or fear of God. We, we are afraid of things. The important thing is, is what we're most afraid of. If we're most afraid of God, we will serve God. If we're most afraid of somebody finding us out, we'll keep hiding in fear and covering ourselves. Andrew gives an as analogy, her mother was afraid of scorpions. And her mother's fear of scorpions kept her during the midst of a storm. There was an old cellar just a little ways from her house. And living in Tornado Alley, you got to know where the hiding places are at. Now, Andrea's a little girl would go. She went to that cellar. And many times it would flood and fill up with water. But still, it was safer than being outside. So she went in. Her mom and dad laughing. Oh, she's down in the cellar. Next thing you know, she hears a knock at the door. And now it's her dad's in the cellar with her. He wasn't laughing anymore because the clouds were, were gathering up. And now her mother, who is afraid of scorpions, knowing that there may be scorpions in that cellar, here's the knock at the door. Let me in! Let me in! She gets in. 
Now, what drove her into that cellar? There was a greater fear than what she was afraid of before she got in. Let me tell you, there's a fear of the Lord that needs to return first off to the house of God. There needs to be a fear so much that I'm afraid to talk about my brother and sister bringing discord to the bread. There's a fear that needs to say, I will not defame people in the house of God. There needs to be a fear that I don't want to walk in sin because I know Jesus Christ is coming. There needs to be a fear to say, I want to protect one another and walk in the nature of God and not be in judgment of those that are around me. There needs to be a godly, holy fear that says, I will not partake of that forbidden fruit because I know the end result will be my children murdering one another. There needs to be a godly fear. God, release the fear of the Lord in the house of God. Let us get a clear vision of who you are. And Lord God, you are our refuge and our shelter and our comfort. And Lord God, we need you more than any other. What you see there, we got to know where we're at. Who told us we were naked? Did you eat of the fruit? Nature of man is to hide is to live in fear and to blame. It was that woman. She did it. You gave her to me and she made me fall. So it's the woman's fault and ultimately, Lord, it is your fault because you gave her to me. If you had never given her to me, I wouldn't be in this state It's her fault. It's his fault because now all of a sudden everything that you told me not to do, I went and did. And I was forced by the circumstance. It was circumstantial, Lord. I had to hold back that portion of my tithe. I had to, Lord, walk in that place that I knew I wasn't supposed to be. I had to engage in that conversation. I had to do the deed because someone else made me. Their fault. Their fault. I do not belittle for a moment the tragics, the, the difficulty and the tragedies that have taken place in your life. I do not excuse the abusers that have abused you. I do not uh, tell you today that what you experienced was not real. I understand to a measure what it feels like in those scenarios. But if I leave my destiny in someone else's hands by always blaming them for the reason I can't have victory, then they become my God because I have lost sight of the obedience of my true God who will guide me into the places of freedom. You didn't know clear vision was going to look like this. That we're not looking at everybody else. We're not blaming God. We're not blaming others. We're taking personal responsibility. Because until I become wholly and completely and entirely guilty, guilty, I will not experience the total fullness of his freedom. I'm taking victory over myself through Jesus Christ. Now I told you in the beginning here that God never asks questions that he doesn't already have the answer to. Nor does he ask questions 
unless he will give an answer to the situation. Now let me say to you, as we look at the first Adam, we have fallen in Adam. We're all born with that nature to hide, to be afraid, and to blame others. Now, you may not acknowledge that. You may not even believe it yourself. But look at your, at your heart and let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you today because you will discover that there's many times in your life that you will find yourself hiding, that you are afraid, and that ultimately you're blaming others for the reason why you can't have victory. You're blaming others for the reason why the church cannot live in victory. You're blaming others for the reason why you can't worship. You're blaming others for the reason why you can't apply the Word of God. But when we get to the place where we say, God, I am here, I am naked, I am afraid, and Lord God, I am to blame for all that I have faced today. Now we're at a good place for revival. Now we are at a good place for God to enter in and to take over because we understand I was born into this thing, and so I am vile by nature. And I cannot do it on my own. Humility is knowing this. Without God, I will self-destruct. For his word tells me, without me, you can do nothing. But what we also understand is all I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if I do anything, it's because God has given me the enabling power. If it's good, it came from God. And the only reason I have it is because God is good. Whether it's a provision, whether it is ability, whether it is knowledge, it comes from God. So the dynamic is, without him I will self-destruct. With him I can do all things. So what's in between there that keeps me in the straight and narrow? It's the border on either side of my road. It is the, the, the path in which I walk. It's humility. I know that I know you didn't come to hear me. You've come to hear him. You've come to experience God. You've come because Jesus Christ is beckoning you and he's drawing you. But when I get to the place where I understand where I am at in my inability to go forward, that brings me to the place where I say, God, I don't want to live in the first Adam. I want to live in the second Adam. And now I accept Jesus. And so that whenever I feel the need to run and hide, the Spirit asked me the same question. Mike, where are you? Well, according to the Word, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. According to the Word of God, I'm no longer hiding, but I am hidden in Jesus Christ. Where am I? I'm with, I am in Jesus, and Jesus is in me. So when, if you want to conquer and live in victory, the same questions are being asked of you. Not in your lower nature, not in your first Adam, but in your second Adam. And in your second Adam, when you are asked where you're at, you just simply reply, I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. I'm in Jesus. Look at Colossians, the third chapter, and the first three verses. It'll bring some clarity to where we are at. And the word of the Lord tells us, if then you are raised with Christ, how can you be raised with Christ? First off, you've got to die to self. 
How do you die to self? You take your disobedient will and you bring it to God and say, Lord, I need to die to self. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to call the shots. And in so doing, I am dead. And then when I am wholly surrendered to God, God gets up on the inside of me. And now I am risen with Christ. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new judge sitting upon my court of appeals. There is a new God that's living inside of here. And he dictates where I go, what I do, what I say. And if I get out of line, he has no problem and get back in line. Okay, let's move on. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are all around you. Seek those things that you don't have. Seek those things that make you feel good. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And what is he doing right now? He's making intercession for all of us. Let me tell you, a a God that's making intercession for you and I, he's not because he hates us. It's because he loves us and he knows how much help we have need of. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Man alive. Man alive in Christ. <laughs> I'm not hiding anymore. Why? Because I'm hidden. I'm hidden in Christ. And when the enemy comes against me, he's not coming against me. He's coming against Christ. He's always come against you because of Christ. He's always fought against you because he does not want you to come to the saving knowledge and understanding of who Jesus Christ is. He wants to keep you in the seed of God's word. He wants to prevent you from overtaking him and discovering the power that you can only have in Jesus. I in and of myself cannot defeat the enemy. It's only through the power of his blood, his word, and his spirit. But you are now hidden in God. This is the question I want you to answer in the Lord. Every time that you feel yourself racked with fear and feeling the grip and the cage and, the, and you can hear the, the hammering of the, of, the, of the cell walls in your own heart where the enemy is trying to build that cage of fear so he can slam that door shut. You need to answer this question in Christ. Who told you you were naked Is the enemy telling you that you cannot make it? Let me tell you, you are naked outside of Christ and you need to get to the place where you now clothe yourself in him. Put on the whole armor, which I do not believe it should be the whole armor of God. I believe it should be the whole armor of Jesus. Because it's his helmet of salvation. He's the one that saves me. It is his breastplate of righteousness. It's his righteousness that protects me. It's his truth because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And everything is connected to his truth. It is his word and his sword. It's not because I speak it. It's because the word is connected to the spirit. And now you have the sword. And now you can sever the enemy's head. And you can stomp on his head. Because the word is powerful. Because the word is Jesus. And Jesus is the one who has overcome. You are clothed in Jesus. Who told you you were naked? 
the accuser of the brethren, he accuses you to God and God to you. He tells you God doesn't care, so don't cast your cares on him. God doesn't, he's not concerned. These things happen because God is ultimately angry at you because of your misdeeds. And you'll never accomplish anything in Jesus. That doesn't sound like the Lord that went to Calvary and bore the burden of our sin just to leave us out on merit or technicality. He's the God who said, be ye holy for I am holy because holiness comes from him and not from you. And it's him living on the inside of me that enables me. He has forgiven my sin and he's empowered me to live above sin. Who told you you were naked? Folks, it's time that we get back. We get back to the place where we stop blaming others. And instead of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we go to what appears to be the barren fruit of the tree of life in the New Testament, which was placed in Calvary, where the only fruit that it bore was the fruit of Jesus. Now, let me say this to you, and let me get your attention, if you will. Was that belittling? I don't mean to be belittling. That was mean a attention catcher. I'm sorry. I might need Michael down here. I was once part of the flag corps. Not really. But anyway. Do I have your attention now? <laughs> Most theologians say that when Jesus Christ hung upon the cross, he did so completely and entirely naked. The only thing that was coming off of the cross was his blood as it dripped through the wounds that he bore for me and for you. What held him up there were three nails driven through his hands and his feet. The reason I say that to you is because so many today want to put something on Jesus. They want to put a covering on him. And he's saying, I am your covering. They're wanting to add something. The only thing that he wore was a crown of thorns on his head. The only crown that Christ Jesus wore on earth, he wore as a man, as a sacrifice for you and I. And he wore on his head the sins of all creation, all humanity on his head, this crown of thorns. But see, we don't add anything to the sacrifice of Christ. We don't have to because his sacrifice is complete. If any time that you feel you've got to add something to the sacrifice, then ultimately you're not living in the full sacrifice of God. Who told you? Who Have you eaten from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and you want to be like God? Or do you want to surrender your life to God and go to the tree of life and partake of that fruit which is only Jesus, that root out of a dry ground. He's the one that is rooted in heaven and only his fruit do we need to bear. Does that make sense? That there's nothing added to the sacrifice of Christ. That his sacrifice was complete, finished. It doesn't need anymore. It doesn't need covering. He is our covering. Let's feast upon him. Taste and see 
the Lord is good. Oh, I'm going to read. I kind of stumbled through this, and I'm going to close for those of you that are nervous that I never will. Jesus sets me free. The Lord dropped this in my heart just the other day. Salvation does not in, that does not include sanctification. Salvation that does not include sanctification. What is sanctification? Holiness, right living, being separated from and set apart to. Sanctification is the ability God gives us to live for him. He not only removes the sin, he empowers us to live without sin. If I'm living in sin, I'm doing it all on my own, by own, my own will and choice. I'm not living in Christ. And thus I, I'm afraid and I'm blaming others and I'm doing these things. Sanctification that does not, in, or salvation that does not include sanctification leaves me enslaved to myself. I may be free from my cage, but not free from my nature. I will eventually find another cage to crawl into only after I am empowered to overcome self will I be able to overcome sin, Satan, and sorrow. See, the Lord gives us the ability as we surrender to his lordship to say, God, I want you. Where am I, Lord? Until you find yourself at a place destitute away from God, knowing that hell is your destination. That's when you come to God and say, Lord, I'm here in need of you. I am vulnerable, I am naked, and I am afraid. I don't want to be as God anymore. I want to surrender my life to you. Now when you enter into Christ, and the enemy and your flesh try to work against you. You simply say, I am in Christ Jesus. I am clothed in the armor of God. And I feast upon the only fruit that I need is a sacrifice of Jesus Christ and him alone. And now I have found freedom and clarity of purpose for my life.